What's shaking, cats and kittens? I'm Rob Lee from Getting to the Truth in This Art. And this podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Bazaar. Bazaar is a gift shop for those seeking the strange and unusual. Got morbid curiosity? Got an interest in natural history? Bazaar's got you covered. Bazaar specializes in antique medical equipment, jewelry, prints, funerary antiques, and many other morbid gifts. The inventory is ever-changing. I'm wearing a great death's head moth pin, and I'm enjoying this hand-poured candle called Overgrown Cemetery. It's great. It has the studio smelling awesome. Head on over to 3534 Chestnut Avenue in Baltimore, Sinan Hamden neighborhood, and see what they got to offer at Bazaar. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Takeout is cool, but delivery gets pricey. So, like a phoenix from the ashes, indoor dining is back at Forge Eatery. I use the analogy because the food is fire. It's a new approach to farm the table. No overalls, just dope food. Try my favorites, like the mushroom stew with pine nuts and ricotta, the cornmeal fried happy oysters, and the seared duck breast. Also, ask about the chocolate chip cookie tins. Mini chocolate chip cookies with a dusting of sea salt. Simply delicious. Head on over to ForgedEatery.com to check out the current menu options and make a reservation today. Forged is located at 3520 Chestnut Avenue in Hamden. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is the owner of Pie Time. I have Max Rhyme. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, this is great, and I am still um, filled with the quiche I had this morning. So it was, a, it was a great way to start off the morning, getting quiche with a friend, going to Patterson Park, and enjoying coffee with it. Awesome. And that's as part of it. And pretty much everyone that I'm friends with, I try to I always bring a friend wherever I go. Like I, That's my third time going to your shop. And each time I've gone, I either added more stuff or I've brought another person with me. It's spreading the gospel of the crust as it is. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if you would, uh, for those who are uninitiated, because um, your shop is a few blocks from my old elementary school. Hollandtown is where I went to um, actually uh, middle school, rather. That's where mm -hmm. I went. So that neighborhood is always really uh, reminiscent for me. Um, so describe your work. Describe what you're doing there at the shop and what you're doing in this space in Baltimore. Yeah, so the shop, I mean, essentially it's a riff on the classic concept of having a cafe smack dab in the middle of a residential neighborhood on a corner location. Um, and that's something that was really important to me with the concept, just having something walkable mm -hmm. um, where everybody from the neighborhood could just come and it could be a destination too. Um, so that seemed underserved just in terms of what we do every day. Um, we're open Wednesday to Sunday. Um, we do early morning. So 6am to three and then Sundays nine to two. Um, we're a farmer's market born business. Um, so we still do our farmer's markets on Saturday and Sunday at the weekends. And that's, that's great. And that's one thing I, I have a question for, uh, um, a little bit later. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see over the, I guess last year and change because I know that you guys were around um, in the farmer's market space up until like still, but your brick and mortar didn't launch until what, October during, during the pandemic. And yeah, so that's that's a thing. And I've noticed that have been more and more kind of bakeries or places that have baked items popping up. And those are the things people are looking for. And they all kind of have that same schedule, too. What's the deal with the Wednesday start? What's the deal with that in a week? 
Um, you know, it actually came from in the seasons previous, we always had a Wednesday farmer's market Okay. Um, for our, one of our weekday markets. So the whole first six weeks we were open, it was just me and one staff member. Um, so we kind of, we dropped our Wednesday market and then kept the same schedule. Um, so that allowed us to kind of get into a rhythm, get used to the space, get our big schedule right. Sure. Um, and also like fix all the stuff that went wrong with the space once we opened. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, I read a little bit about that, that it was kind of a, like, it was what, 2018 that you guys knew you were going to have the space. And then it was just like, recently you <laughs> guys opened and I guess it was a lot of different things that transpired up until then. Yeah, yeah. if something could go wrong with the construction project, it did. Oh, no. um, and I guess like every, a lot of restaurants have that story. Mm -hmm. um, whatever, mine trumps them, it was the worst. <laughs> and so I will say- but, will, you know, it's, it's over now. So that's great. And I'm happy with the space. And I, and I read um, in, in talking about the pies, right? Because that's that's one of the things like literally my partner is a big fan of that. Um, it's like the key lime. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I I'm just glad is so she's a big pie person. I got her a pie for our birthday. She doesn't believe in birthday cake. She believes in birthday pies. So. We, we had this purest conversation. She was like, I don't want peels on my apples and my apple pie, you know, like get that out of there. And, um, you know, she gives the chef kiss to uh, y'all pies. Um, so I read that your sweet pies are reminiscent of like a, a grandmother's pie. That's what you're trying to evoke. Um, and the savory pies are kind of forward and that's in progressive using your experience um, as a cook. They're a bit more progressive. Uh, how do you marry being traditional and progressive with what your offerings are? Yeah. So I think the beauty of our sweet pies really and keeping that super traditional mm -hmm. is we can just build it around season of what's in season. So that allows us to switch our menu without overthinking things. Um, it's like, it sounds funny, but it's like, can I improve on peach pie if I've got a great crust recipe and I'm using market fresh peaches? Like, how do you do something in between there? Like, so I guess with the sweet stuff, like we choose not to fiddle with it too much because it's it's really about buying the most beautiful fruit we can. Mm -hmm. um, and then with the savories, like we want to offer something different. So, you know, we've got our duck confit gumbo pie, our chili verde. Um, it's just kind of with savory food, you can, I feel like I've got more flexibility, if you will. Whereas like the traditional sweet pies, I feel like it's almost like an institution that shouldn't be disrespected. Sure. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. It, it does. And I, I think the other, the other thing is when, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think when someone thinks of a pie, they think of a sweet one versus a savory one initially. And, you know, we all know about pot pie and all of that stuff, but we always go to mom's apple pie or the apple pie that's in the, uh, the ledge and then the, the window. And mm -hmm. it's always that kind of sweet thing. And yeah, it, it either is what it is. So if it's like, I'm making a apple pie, I don't want something else in there. If I'm making uh, a peach pie or whatever the, the thing is, I don't want something else in there and hitting those staples. Like um, I saw recently the uh, prep for the strawberry rhubarb. And I was like, have, has there ever been rhubarb with rhubarb without strawberry? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> That's funny. You ask there, we've got probably five customers per year mm -hmm. who like kind of lean across the counter and go, do you have plain rhubarb pie? <laughs> And it's like, 
I think it's folks who like grew up with a rhubarb patch in their backyard or mm-hmm. something, or like maybe you're from New England. I, people who want the plain rhubarb really want it. Um, so we'll make it as like a one-off. I dig but, it. Like, it's tart. It's jammy. It is out there. Um, I like mixing it with the strawberries. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the things that as I was looking at, I was looking at the complimentary things there. I, I noticed the ice cream that's there now. And um, some people do it. I haven't had the chance to try it. The apple pie with the, uh, was it the, t- the Tillamook cheese and a scoop of ice cream. I'm not quite there. It's like, all right, cool. I'll do ice cream and pie. I don't know if I want cheese on mine yet, but you know, I might be able to be, be nudged. Yeah. So, now, it's funny you mentioned the, the rhubarb, uh, rhubarb only pie, but I, I have two questions that actually are good segues off of that. So I'll just ask them back to back. Um, what are your thoughts on secret uh, menu items? I get a big kick out of them. <laughs> I, th- I think it's just fun. Um, it creates something where like, you know, if a customer is a regular or something and it can make somebody feel a little special, something a little different. Mm-hmm. Um and then also it's a good opportunity as a business to just try something new that's not like fully advertised yeah. um, and kind of gauge customer response. So that can be really awesome. That's that's great. Um, I, I think it gives uh, from a creative standpoint, because in the artists I've had on here, chefs and uh, entrepreneurs, all of the different things. I think any guest that I try, try to have on here has an artistic approach to what they're doing. So I think it is that degree of difficulty thing. It's like, oh, I'll, I may take that on almost like in a commission sense. Sure. Let me try that. Coconut yeah. rum. Yeah, I think I might be able to do something with that. So exactly. now this is the other question related in that space. Uh, what's the easiest and what's the hardest ingredient to cook with? Or to bake with? Easiest, I'm going to go ahead and say generally pork butt and pork shoulder. Um, I, it's just so versatile, <laughs> so flavorful. Um, we put it in our chili verde pie. We can do it in pulled pork. Mm. We can add it into cassoulet. Um, and it's also, it's a reasonably priced protein. So it makes it so we can still have a margin and provide something really good and filling. Um, so yeah, we, we love working with pork shoulder and pork butt. Hardest? Let's see. What did I muss up once? <laughs> <laughs> um, man. Because certain things are temperamental, think, right? Yeah, I always screw up dried beans. Really? But yeah, yeah. I either over or undercook them. I can't freaking get it right. Um, there's been multiple times where I've like, we have to cook beans or white beans for cassoulet, and I'll like turn over the pre-cooking to somebody else. I'll be like, yo, figure this out. Get up with the ham hocks, whatever. Like, it's just gonna be mushy when I do it. Like, no. Um, that, and I guess when I was more of a line cook, like, it's easy to make some chewy octopus. Oh no. God, it's easy to make some bad chewy octopus. Nobody wants that. <laughs> really I, I had to, because um, I, I, I present myself as, as a foodie, but also I like to try to experiment in the kitchen. And one thing that I always botch, which I shouldn't because it's a staple item, is rice. So I just like, screw it. I just bought a rice cooker. And I was like, I'm just going to do this. I'm not going to keep falling. Because I like to make, um, I'll take sushi rice and do a play on, uh, I'll do like pineapple fried rice or pastrami fried rice and uh, just have a great time. That's what I try to do. Um, so yeah, noticing what my uh, challenge is. I was like, I can't 
keep wasting this rice. I got to figure something out. Um, so going back to the the kind of it's almost like a, a farm or hyper local um, ingredients, right? I even noticed the the milk there, and I like that line there. Some interesting things that go on in the shop. Um, the um, off menu items, such as your your jokes, <laughs> and um, the local local milk is a thing there too, which I thought was really cool. Um, so your pods contain local and seasonal produce. Uh, give us your favorite seasonal ingredient from each season to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say in spring, it's definitely the most exciting when the strawberries and the rhubarb come in because it kind of it kicks off like our market and fruit season. Sure. Um, and then in high summer, um, we're able to get like these gorgeous peaches and blueberries. Oh, my God. The top crop or blue crop blueberries. It's this varietal that our orchard does. The darn things are like, oh, uh, they're just so big and ju- Sorry, I get excited about fruit. Um, <laughs> I guess I should. And then let's see, when we get on to the fall and like there's that end of summer where the apples are starting to get a little mealy and they bum you out yeah. and then the harvest comes and they snap up and they're fresh. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, also like the late peach harvest can be really good too. Um, savory wise, generally like end of July, beginning of August, we'll try and order like a couple hundred pounds of tomatillos and poblanos nice. from like one straw farm. Um, and they grow the most beautiful, flavorful, organic ones. And then what we'll do is like roast all those in big batches and burr mix it and then cord it and freeze it. So that way we're able to pull it for the chili verde yeah. or we all use that puree base for like our black bean chili. Um, so that's something I'm really excited about being in the brick and mortar this year and having that walk-in freezer space is like, we're just going to have so much more flexibility with buying a bunch of stuff in season and freezing it and then using it later. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. That That's great. It's like kind of when that natural expansion ha- happens, because uh, I was um, like referred to like I'm in the neighborhood. I'm within walking distance, but I was referred to you guys from Bramble and yeah. I had I had uh, Allie on from Bramble. And I was like, yeah, definitely pie time. Hit them up. And they're at the farmer's market. They bring like the espresso machine. I was like, what? Run that back. <laughs> and and I was just like, all right, now I need to make friends and figure things out. So. So in that, um, as we, we touched on earlier, kind of launching that brick and mortar in October and transitioning to being partially farmer's market and partially having a brick and mortar, how has that response been as far as, because when we when, when me and uh, Maya were there earlier, we just saw people pulling up. It was like the window was open, people are in their runners, and they're like, look, I know I just didn't finish running, but I need a buttery pie crust in my face right now. So, and I know we were there, not running, but uh, how has the response been? Pretty great. Um, what's really nice is, is here in Southeast Baltimore, like a lot of folks just happen to shop at the JFX Farmers Market. Mm-hmm. So we were able to have a lot of folks who were familiar with our product or had seen us before and kind of drive business to the market and to the shop. Um, so that's been great. And then also like, yeah, there's even folks from North Baltimore that are Waverly regulars. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a good excuse to come down to Patterson Park and there's so much more going on in South Baltimore, Southeast Baltimore now than like even five years ago. Sure. Um, so that's kind of really exciting for me too. The idea that some customers who are familiar with us from the farmer's market would come to the neighborhood, you know, to check out the pie shop and then support other stuff going on here. 
Yeah, and that, and so so in that in that same like um, degree, speak on the, like one of, some of the great things about being in business in Baltimore. Yeah, um, honestly, it's kind of like the home cooking and community support is really strong here. Um, and also the community identity here of Patterson Park is strong. So everybody wants to help their neighbors. People want to collaborate. Um, I think that's wonderful about being in business in Baltimore. I also feel like we're especially privileged having started at the farmer's market because we've got that community of other business people um, that just like, you know, it's people doing new, exciting stuff and everybody from the city comes there. So I guess just the idea of, of seeing lots of different faces and the diversity of Baltimore. Sure. And then also just like the opportunity to sell products to different sorts of people. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's like, you know, you got farmer's market customers. People are generally more highly educated and they're into local stuff, this and that and the other thing. Or maybe they grew up with a history of family gardening. So produce is important to them. Um, and then, the you know, it's like somebody comes in for just a slice of apple pie, right? And yeah. they don't like fancy espresso. But they check out our machine and they're like, oh, maybe I'll try that, yeah. you know? And so I think what's fun is you can create an access point to introduce people to new stuff in Baltimore. Yes. Um, and yeah, yeah, just like, and that's another thing about keeping our pie really traditional is I don't want to have anything on that menu that people are afraid of mm -hmm. or like intimidating for any reason. Um, Cause then, you know, you can get that and then maybe, you know, you try some fancy coffee, whatever, switch it up, try some black coffee. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's what some places have, have run into and it, it is no shade. It's no throwing anyone under the bus, but it's a thing that reality wise, it's like trying to, especially during the circumstances of the last year, which you really can't forecast of doing what you do, but also doing something that it has that potential to have a cast a wider net. It's like, if you only do, artisanal vegan food made out of one type of bean, you're going to have a very slim audience. And I don't know if the margins that they can hit on will sustain one during these circumstances, especially when foot traffic has gone all of that different stuff. But being able to marry something that, as you, as you touched on, that you have something that's on the, the, the broader side, you have something that's on the very simple, well done, and we do this very well side. And there, there's something for everyone there. Uh, under that that point you could just come in there and just just get coffee like when i yeah, that's, that's something that was um always important to me from the beginning of the business mm -hmm. we actually started at the govins town farmers market and they have a market rule that you have to have something on the menu that's five dollars or less mm -hmm. so i always price the apple pie at four it's a big nice juicy slice of pie i think it's a darn good deal for four bucks even yeah. um like 380 something in a spreadsheet somewhere um <laughs> And so anybody being able like to have that entry point, anybody being able to support the business or participate, I think is really important. And then also like we sell $2 eight ounce coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Just two bucks. So, you know, it, that's, and also just like creating that community space where yeah, you can just come in and have a cup of coffee and have a seat, read the paper, whatever. Once we're open for indoor dining, um, that's always been really important to me that everybody feel welcome in the shop and that their consumer dollars matter. Yeah. I, and I think it's, it's one of those things that's a really good value. There, there are places that um, are like, I'll go to a place and I already have it factored in my head. 
I'm going to go there. I'm going to buy treats and I want to buy something for that morning. I'm going to spend between 30 and 40 bucks. And if I'm spending less than that, it's like, oh, then you kind of look for your less critical of certain things. And then I go back and look at your place and your place is just just great from how like nice it looks on the inside how like Curtis like, like Curtis nice people are there courteous they are there yourself and uh, I forget the other the other oh, dude far. but yeah it, it was just star, man I've it's, got a it's a great situation there and it's like all right this is this is great and just I want all the success in the world for you guys Thanks. um and so I got two last questions, um, both related to food. Uh, so speak on your background a little bit, because I don't, I think I kind of skipped that. What is your background? And because, um, I, I saw like your, your degree and I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. But, uh, what you went to school for, I was like, that's interesting, but speak on that and your, um, experience and your entry point into food and hospitality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, um, I went to undergrad in uh, Western Massachusetts um, and I went to this hippy dippy college, Hampshire, where it was all design your own major. Um, so I studied environmental science uh, and I, I just love being outside and stream ecology was my thesis focus. Mm-hmm. So I got to do research in Alaska and then write up this whole thing. Um, and then I graduated and it was what, 2011? You gonna find a science job in 2011? Right. No. Um, and the other thing with science jobs is like you can get your PhD. That's hard. You got to be smart. I didn't think I had the chops. <laughs> or you get your master's and you end up working for somebody with a PhD. Right. So I got a job cooking and I really liked it. I just really liked it. It was at um, the Dirty Truth in Northampton, Mass. Mm -hmm. And it was this gastro pub. So they had this fantastic beer menu. Um, So at that time, too, like Northampton's a coffee town. So I was getting more into espresso, drinking beer, developing my palate a little more. Um, And also the Dirty, it was the gastro pubs who were always doing wacky fun stuff in the kitchen. You know, it was like. Okay, my chili verde recipe is low-key stolen from there. So it's like, <laughs> oh, um, they did wacky stuff like barbecue duck nachos. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like a really collaborative group of arty dudes who all worked in the kitchen together at that time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that just really set the foundation for me falling in love with food. That's great. So the last question that I have, it, it, it piggybacks on that. Um, yeah. What is your favorite food city to visit? And what do you like to eat there? Um, I would, oh, this is out there. Um, I was lucky enough to go on my honeymoon in Japan. Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. Um, the Tokyo, um, Nishiki market or no, that's in Kyoto. Um, the fish market, the central fish market in Tokyo was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I um that was that was the most fabulous gastronomic experience of my entire life. Um I just remember sitting down in this tiny little place, right, and they serve you Kaizen Don, so it's this warm, beautiful sushi rice. Mm. And then it fanned on the there's a thing of tuna tartare in the middle, and then this fan of tuna from fatty to lean, all the different cuts, like right off the boat. Oh. I like, and just like all the displays and the merchandising. And I was able to go on that trip kind of as I was planning for the shop. 
Yeah. So that a lot of like inspiration of little stuff, doing stuff very carefully or little hidden things. Um, I'm a big, big fan of Japanese culture in that way. Uh, same. Um, I, I, I share a birthday with Questlove and I read that thing where he said he went to, um, it was at the uh, place, uh, the shop for a uh, Euro from Euro dreams of sushi. And he went there for his birthday and I was like, I need to make that happen somehow. <laughs> um, so that's pretty much all I had. So I like to give all of my guests an opportunity to shamelessly plug. So tell me, tell me about the shop, social media, where to get, where to check you guys out at. And, uh, thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. So pie time, the brick and mortar, we're on the corner of Baltimore and Elwood 3101 East Baltimore. It's the Northeast corner of Patterson park. You can find us Saturday and Sunday at the Waverly and JFX farmers markets. And we're slinging little amps espresso off of the, uh, espresso cart and our lever machines. And, um, yeah, come support our other vendor buddies. Come out to Southeast Baltimore. If you live in Canton and you rent, you should probably buy North of the Park. Um, yeah. And um, then uh, social media, website, and all of that good stuff? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, pytime.com and social media, Instagram's generally the best. Our handle is pytimebaltimore. And yeah, that's a, that's a good way to keep up with us. So, thank you. Um, I'll do my sign off. So, for Max Rhyme of Pie Time, I'm Rob Lee saying that there's like just delicious pie in and around Baltimore, specifically Pie Time. You need to go check it out. Um, and, and, and that's art in and around Baltimore. 